Riverside. Hello and welcome to We've Been Watching. It's our fancy new intro, if anybody uh, registered it. Hello, Claire. Are you there? Are you there beyond the fancy intro? I'm here beyond the... I didn't know you could play the piano, David. That's really good. I know. And quite sort of jazzy and soul. I mean, soul and me, I mean, God, they go That's hand good. in hand. They really do. Of Southwest London, aren't you? And, um, of course... Claire had the week off because of the Jubilee, because you wanted to immerse yourself so much in the royal family, didn't you, Claire? Absolutely. And I think we've all been buried neck deep in the royal family, haven't we? And you know, everywhere all the repercussions are, are all coming out now, aren't they? Like Prince Andrew is, is, is being seen in public and is, is, is hoping to be rehabilitated. But, um, yes, I, th I think we've had enough of them now, and I'd quite like them to go away and just have nice lives and disappear. I know. If, as if that's going to happen, though. I mean, it's, now we've got all the meddling stuff with Prince Charles. And so we've got Andrew back in the limelight, limelight and, uh, and Prince Andrew showing his face again. It's just like, here we go again, isn't it? I know. They never stop themselves, do they? And then you, as well today, you've got, um, recording this on a Sunday, by the way, you've got William um, saying that he wants to move out of London to give the kids a normal life. And that the Republican in me is going, give them a normal life, abolish the monarchy. It's just, anyway, but it's funny, isn't it, how we soon forget, you know, we have all our lovely things on television with, uh, with people singing outside Buckingham Palace and then, then everything's back to being the same again. It is. Let's play a fancy new transition and then we can get on with it. Nice. I'm going to play another one. Oh, they're very serious. Right, to television this week, we've got quite a few things to get through. Um, everything I know about love on BBC One, Love Island ITV2, we've heard of that just. The Outlaws BBC One, a bit on Dan Walker, if we can bear it, um, and Man versus B, and Avoidance as well, which uh, you've watched, Claire, and uh, we shall talk about that as well. So we've got a full pack show here. Uh, so everything I know about love, BBC One, the story of um, some 20-somethings in Camden living um, certainly not a cost-of-living crisis lifestyle. Well, this was the noughties, though, wasn't it? Or the tens? It's supposed to be 2012, isn't it? So maybe people could actually afford to eat and drink and heat their flats back then. But uh, I was actually quite surprised to see this on BBC One because I'd have thought it was prime BBC Three material, you know, four twenty-somethings yeah, living absolutely. in the flat, a high old time. I mean, it, it, it didn't... Also, what was odd is that it was buried by BBC One at 10.40 after the news. Now, I mean, that's, that's not prime time. I mean, again, it's this strategy of putting something... Um, fleetingly on linear TV, um, normal TV, we're going to call it, and then running it out on iPlayer. Because, I mean, we get trailed more about iPlayer than anything. So I was I was surprised that, 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 did that mean that the BBC didn't rate this drama? I mean, I find it, I found it difficult to relate to this drama. I mean, I've, I think I related better to Sally Rooney's storytelling, to be frank, of younger people. I mean, because I've never taken cocaine in an iClub toilet. Um, maybe it's something I need to do. Maybe it's a sort of very late in life sort of rite of passage. That's actually a really great idea. I think we should put that in for a for a commission for a series, David. You know, you and I could go out trying things we've never we've never 
done as middle-aged people. Um, yeah. Based on based on BBC Three dramas or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was an odd slot, wasn't it? And then, you know, that's why I say, you know, it should have been on BBC Three and then that makes me think, well, they probably think younger people are going to watch this on iPlayer anyway, so scheduling doesn't matter. But I thought it also was quite pretentious. I mean, uh, the lead character meets um, a sort of troubadour character on the train, doesn't she? Mm, and mm. You know, one of his first things he says is, um, "It's I think Larkin was right. And all I kept thinking about was Pop Larkin. <laughs> Bradley yes, Walsh gets everywhere. Yes, I mean, he reminded me of that. This is my 80s uh, years in my 20s and teens when there were always young men sitting on the on the tube uh, and trains reading a Gunther Grass's glass bead game. So I suppose, you know, pretentious people in their 20s never change. But, I mean, as I say, it wasn't for me. It was one of those dramas that, you know, old people like me go, grr, I can't relate to it. But I can see why young people are so mad about it. I mean, Dolly Alderton is a phenomenon. You know, she is... You know, that book just sold shed loads. And, but it was interesting because that was almost, it was a straight memoir and she's dramatised it for TV. Um, I mean, I have no doubt about the realism of it. I think the realism, the acting's good and the script is fine, but I just find it a bit pre pretentious and sort of unnecessary. I mean, I, you see, I, 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 it's, it's difficult to, for me to really critique it because I can't relate to it but I mean yeah I mean I, I find it quite interesting you know with they're all doing the oh, what do you want to be when you when you graduate from college conversation you know the Dolly Alderton character says you know I want to be a writer and again it's that sort of you know fetishization of you know of, of people in the media yeah absolutely you know oh he's an actor and she's a writer and this that and the other and it's like you know when are we going to have someone i mean maybe is it interesting to people to have a program about people who you know work down mines or build the elizabeth line or or who are a tourist guide i mean i just think it's a sign well, of you know, of, you know someone, who, someone who just works on the train and someone who's a sort of an ordinary teacher or so i mean this is i mean the, the idea of people talking about their fantasy lives in music and, and writing novels is, a, you're absolutely right, it's a total throwback. And it's the sort of things that people in the media want to buy, you know, want to do and talk about a lot. And, you know, that's as big an irritation as anything, isn't it, really? Absolutely. You know, and you just think, well, you know, the commissioning editors and producers, do they actually know anybody in the real world anymore? You know, the idea of, you know, back in the you know 60s and 70s when, you know, hey, I'm going to sound really old now, but, you know, the idea of Granada television and their, their strap line was Granada from the north. And you had this amazing, you know, flowering of talent from outside London. And now it just seems that it's the same old, same old. Um, and, and that's why... You know, novel as well. It's got to be from a novel or a memoir. I mean, that doesn't seem right. I mean... What you're talking about is a period when you had a t what we, I suppose, called TV playwrights. Um, I'm just trying to think of one now, which is... Well, you know, someone like Alan Plater. Right, you know, Alan obviously, Plater or um, Dennis, Dennis Potter, I suppose. Alan Bennett. Alan Bennett. So, that, But we don't have anybody of this. I suppose James Graham might be one. 
um, who's got something. It's the whole idea that now we don't have that single play to sort of make a statement with or try out with. Everything's got to be an expensive six or possibly eight part series. Yeah. Um, people, you know, unless, you know, and when you're buying in a memoir or a best-selling novel, this is tried and tested. And what I find really odd is, you know, the amount of people who will um, watch the TV series, especially if it's a thriller or a crime, they'll watch the TV series of a book they've already read so they know the ending. I know. Well, that's just pathetic all round, isn't it? I mean, go and do some crocheting. That's just... Stupid. Exactly. This is why I'm quite excited about Sherwood. Um, is it month coming up Monday, um, yes. the new BBC drama based on crimes around the miners' strike. That is a genuinely new story, isn't it? Yeah, that, that looks, that, I saw that trail this morning. That does look very good. I missed the launch, I'm afraid, but, um, viewer and listener, so we'll have to, we'll, we'll all be surprised about that, so that's good to know. Well, I don't, in stars term, I don't know what to give it, really. I'm going to give it sort of three and a half stars, um, but I'm basically losing a star because it didn't use my favourite Philip Larkin line was that they, they fuck you up, your mum and dad. So that's, you know, demerit for that. Well, you know, if, if you've watched to the end, you realise mum and dad are actually quite nice. So I'm going to give it four. I mean, you know, at least I have the sense to realise I, I know it's not for me, but I think young people will like it. And, and it's not it's a young people's thing and it's not by Sally Rooney. So for that, it's, for me, it's worth the extra half point. Right, well, moving on, um, something that is apparently meant for Love Island for, for younger people as well is Love Island. Um, but, of course, I wrote a story last week saying that grandparents are watching it, according to uh, one of the presenters. Um, oh. So believe that as you were. I, I don't know a lot of grandparents that are watching Love Island. If, if there are any grandparents listening, can they please get in contact with the podcast and give me their thoughts on what it's yeah. like to watch people getting around in skimpy swimwear for eight weeks on a on a nice warm island. Do you think they're trying to keep up with their grandchildren and, you know, sort of kind of know what, what they're doing? I mean, I think Michael Owen has already said he switched off because he can't bear to watch his daughter um, dicking around on, on Love Island. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing I found about it this time is I thought the casting was poor and the boys particularly were incredibly dull. I mean, I know they are, I know men are incredibly dull. I mean, I'm willing to accept that, but um, this, <laughs> this group of nobodies were just the pits, I thought. And the other thing about every series of this, which does irritate me, is the boys seem to have the upper hand. It seems to be built around what the men want. And I hope this is not a reflection of what the producers think society is, and maybe that's what society is like. And if so, um, it's basically got its feet in the 1950s this show that's absolutely ludicrous isn't it because um one thing i did watch th this week is big boys the um channel four uh comedy about a, a young shy gay lad and a confident young oh, yeah. man sort of meet at college and i i was i really loved it and i kind of wish um that the guys on love island were like the confident young straight man whose name i've entirely forgotten but you know he's a really decent guy and that's why i want to you know i don't want to see the players with a z i want to see you know decent guys you know no, maybe these guys don't make that, that they maybe don't make enough drama for love island 
no, I mean these guys are total blanks. I don't think they, I don't think they could put together two consecutive sentences. I really don't. I mean, I don't think they can put forward a full sentence. Really, let's just try with two phrases with a nice joining word in the middle and see how that works. <laughs> well, there is an Italian one this year, unless he's gone out since I last watched it. Davide, who yeah, had Davide. to. Unfortunately for me, he isn't the completely stereotype Italian, which is about the only one I can probably relate to. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm critiquing my critiquing myself here a bit too strongly. But um, yeah, he had, I mean, to, he, he had to date making lemonade to the young lady, didn't he? And you know, you'd think that an Italian would would talk about lemons in a bit more conversational way because they like food. But he just was a lemon, frankly. But then maybe I'm looking with maybe both of us are looking too deeply into Love Island to provide us with sort of conversational TV. But it isn't. It's normally funnier. That's the other thing. I mean, I think you need you need either need very stupid people or very intelligent people making jokes, don't you? Otherwise, if you have neither, you've got nothing. That's absolutely true, David. It it is it is it is witless in both senses of the word. Um, I mean, I, I just think again, you know, we're talking as older people watching television for younger people. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe if you're that age, you can relate to all this because you know, maybe we're just being a bit jaded because um, we, we've been through all this already. But is is it is it an education on how to behave for young people? I don't think so. The fact that you want to go on it should actually stop you from wanting to go on it. I think. Yeah, because like politics. Yeah, I mean, the relationships are totally artificial, aren't they? I mean, so it's the whole thing is uh, a rather delicate artifice done by people who haven't got any delicacy about them at all, really. I'm being yeah, too hard on it. It's great. It's great. Great TV. It's been doing three million viewers. I'm missing something. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, IT, it's IT, classic ITV too, isn't it? You know, it's that sort of reality stuff that, that, I mean, and one of the great things is the reason people watch it is it's so big on news websites and the internet, you know, it garners so much coverage, you yeah. know, and, you know, that, that, you know, it just all becomes circular. It's on telly, so it's popular, so it's in the papers, so it's on telly more, blah, 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 blah. Yes, you're feeding off other parts of the media, but and also, um, was it was it interesting that they were recycling a lot of clothes? So a lot of the clothes were off eBay, and I thought, what well, you're recycling swimsuits with sort of you know one week in La Rochelle, you know, no sand included or something. Oh, I'm going to mention the word gusset now, David. Oh, yes, second hand <laughs> <Okay>. gusset. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a word for teenagers. They won't understand that. But you know, is is eBay a sponsor? I wonder this year. I think it so. is. I haven't it's noticed. It's another one of these sort of trendy media partnerships, the sort of thing that makes you slightly sick if you hear it at the start of a TV program. Well, I mean, and also this is what it is. It's you know, all these kids will suddenly, when they finish, they will all become you know, all over the showbiz magazines, and then they will become influencers, and then they will become Molly May Haig. Um, oh dear, I think we've got to stop talking about it. It's, it's it's killing me. So two stars from me. It's no better than what it's what it's ever been. I mean, I, I, the the best series is the one with Danny Dyer in it for some reason. I don't know why. But, Do you think um, that's because she was a a woman of character, perhaps? Yeah, she had a character, and but now to have Michael Owen's daughter on there, it seems to be they seem to be sort of making it into a celebrity reality show, but not. And then her ex is coming in, so. 
you know, it's more structured reality than it ever was. Yes, you're absolutely right. And also it's it's the fact that we can't have a primetime game show that isn't a celebrity version of this, that or the other. I mean, you know, if they want to have... Didn't, didn't this start with Celebrity Love Island and then it went to Civilian Love Island? Now it it's going to Celebrity again. I mean, bring back the real people, on the, the real constructed people on television. Yeah, I mean, you need to get... But you need to get people... I think they've shied away from people that have got personalities. I, re I really do believe that because it's probably too much hard work and things are a bit more unpredictable. So in terms of editing the show, I bet you it's better to have dull people. That's very true because they've probably got a really fast uh, turnaround, haven't they, with editing? So good point, David. And they don't want people saying, is Rome part of Italy or something, which, or, or is, you know, is, is Norfolk in the UK or <laughs> East is celebrity is is Love Island actually? Am I actually in Love Island? It'd be great if someone woke up saying that, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, somebody was saying uh, on Twitter, wouldn't it be great to have middle-aged Love Island? You know, uh, it'll Definitely. be you know, Brian's had three glasses of wine and fallen asleep <laughs> in front of the fire pit. Asking where the Gaviscon is, I would totally watch that. Totally watch. <laughs> We've got to have some applause for that. Well, it's limp applause, really, but it's applause nonetheless. Seniors Love Island. That, that, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Just old well, people they, just sort of falling asleep every five minutes. <laughs> they have had old people's take me out, which really got on my nerves because the press photos came in and uh, it had two older women who were in their 60s and, you know, really gorgeous. Uh, it had them both driving in on uh, electric scooters. And it's like, can we just not change our conception of how older people are on telly, you know? No, that's terrible, isn't it? You're just wishing them to fall off, aren't you? Is that just me? It's just you, David. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on. The Outlaws, BBC One. I found this one of the more disappointing programmes of the week. I have to say, I did only watch one or two episodes of the first series. This is the Stephen Merchant written uh, drama of people who are getting support in the community after committing crimes. I mean, it's a valuable thing to happen. Um, it's got Christopher Walton as well, who's who's a great actor and Merchant's great, but I found this um, impossible to like and I couldn't really work out why. I think it... I think it's a bit trite, really, and it's it seems forced to me and unrealistic. But, gosh, that's the tenor of the week, really. <laughs> well, um, I really, really loved the first series of The Outlaws. I watched it all in one go, and I found it utterly charming, and I thought everyone was brilliantly cast, particularly the young members of the cast, who I thought were wonderful. But trying to, I mean, you know, and it's not so long since that first series. No. But I, I couldn't remember what happened <laughs> at the end of the last series. I thought it was all quite neatly tucked away. So I was just a little bit confused by, by what was happening. And again, maybe it's just my, you know, senility creeps in. Um, but the one it's thing that was there... But I think that's fair enough. It's important that we... Uh, can find our way into a second series. And they didn't really set it up that well. I mean, it seems to have been, uh, it seems to be all been centred on the bag full of money, which is a result of a drug deal, is it? 
Yes, it is. And it's it's just all a bit too confusing for my tiny mind. But, you know, the, the, the young guy stole some drugs money and then basically it was redistributed amongst all the people on the um, community service scheme. And they've all yeah. spent it in various ways. And now, of course, the drug dealer wants it back. Um, yeah, but I mean, he was he was he was the most unlikely drug dealer ever. He was sort of almost middle class. Maybe these are the drug dealers now. Maybe these are the county line drug dealers. But, you know, he was white, middle class, well spoken. He sounded public school, even possibly. And then he seemed to believe the notion of the girl who had an Oxford scholarship, which I didn't believe in either, um, who was going to make him a lot of money. That was the most ridiculous ending of the first episode. I thought it, it, I, I just really don't think it's been script edited, this thing. Well, I mean, you know, as, as we said earlier, you know, it has come round quite quickly. So maybe that it was just a very fast turnaround commission. Um, but I mean, the one thing that was still there was uh, the funny. You know, it, it is, you know, there's there was a scene in um, where there's a there's a, a girl that um, Stephen Merchant's character fancies. And, uh, you know, he chats her up by saying how sweaty her gusset. Uh, must have been something <laughs> into into work. Uh, and twice in the podcast already, Claire. I bet you can't get to five. Right, it's a challenge. Um, but you know, it, it's you know, th these are they are great characters, and it is very funny and it is warm. But as I say, I was just a little bit confused. I mean, I shall go in for the rest of them. I've only watched the first, but. Um, as I say, I was so mad on the first series because I liked all the characters and. Um, yeah, it's just 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 tighten up, guys. Tighten yeah, your guts. Exactly. I mean, I, I did I did laugh a couple of times. The only time any big laugh was when he got his head stuck in the chandelier in the nightclub. I mean, I'm always doing that, to be honest. <laughs> yes, that what that was very funny. And you, of course, you've got the character in it. You know, who is a, an Instagram influencer. Um, so you know, yeah, it's I mean, got. I think it's so good that an influencer gets dramatised. That's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm still, I'm still going to give it four because I, I, I live in hope. Okay, well, I'll give it three, and I don't live in hope when TV is concerned. No, I do a little bit. But, I mean, the thing is, everybody just likes Stephen Merchant. He's just one yeah, of the good guys. He's incredibly likable, but um, I think this needed a bit of editing or needed to go somewhere. But anyway. Um, what should we should we talk about avoidance? Because I haven't seen that, but this is the Ramesh Ranganathan. Uh, is it a comedy yeah. drama? Well, I, I've just seen it as a as a, billed as a comedy, but um, it's one of those things that's a bittersweet comedy, and I just think enough of the bittersweet comedies. I just want a comedy that makes me laugh, like uh, yeah, yeah. Here We Go did, which I still think is the funniest thing I've seen in years and really didn't get enough coverage. And I bet you it won't come back for a second series and I shall be most disappointed. But Avoidance is Ramesh playing a, a, an avoidant, a man who avoids his emotions. He wakes up one morning and uh, in, in a kitchen with a kitchen island. So now we've got a kitchen uh -huh. island sitcom to go with the kitchen island dramas in his beautiful home and his wife says we're splitting up and he, he says, well, we will give it a chance. And she's going, no, no, we're splitting up. Oh no. So uh, in order to not tell his son um, they're splitting up, his very cute son, um, he takes him to the seaside for the day and then to stay at his gay sister's house with her partner who hates him. Um, and I, 
you know, I, I didn't laugh very much. Um, and I mean, I really like Ramesh. I think he's great. I think he's overexposed. Yeah, I do and, as well. And uh, I, 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 you know, I just, you know, it's basically a divorce sitcom. But uh, they all live in very nice houses. And again, it's the everything I know about love syndrome. It's like, well, this is, is, is this most people's lives? I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think TV is catching up with the way people are living. And I, but I, and I, I hope that's not because commissioning people live a completely different life, which they do to most people. They like to think they don't, but I mean... They probably are largely out of touch. I mean, this doesn't. This this sort of seems relatable, but also I think it falls into that trap, which is happening a lot now, where people don't know whether something's a drama or a comedy, but they it still seems to get commissioned, probably because Ramesh said yes, I would imagine, um, mm. and is quite bankable for TV commissioning editors, um, and it just falls between the two, and you don't know where you are. But I agree with you about. Here we go, and I, I was I, I'm going to do some investigation this week, listen to find out whether it's going to have a second series. Because if that doesn't get a second series, TV doesn't know what it's doing at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I am so mad about that series. I've already watched it twice uh, on the iPlayer because it just it it made me laugh out loud. You know, the performances are wonderful. Catherine Parkinson and Jim Howick just and uh, they're they're just all tremendous. And you know, that was you know, in a way, it was a pretty traditional family sitcom wasn't it yeah it was but it was so well done and the idea of having the son shooting it for a media project just gave it that little bit of unexpected edge didn't it so mm. yeah, I knew. and of course it, this this was you could look at the way these people were living he was unemployed i can't recall what job catherine she had. just had we don't know what she did we just know she had a job she really hated and she was always yeah. on at him to find another one and then he said he was going to retrain as a policeman but he couldn't drive that's right so i felt there's there such a lot of reality to it so you know you've you you've got the audience already haven't you let's face it if you if you can replicate the way people live you know which is a common thread through all of this completely unreal yeah I mean, I was thinking about, you know, Carla Lane sitcoms back in the day, you know, when you had, you know, the flat, well, you know, the, the uh, Carla Lane equivalent of everything I know about love was the Liver Birds. Yeah, we absolutely. Had flat. And then you had Bread, which was, you know, a real down-to-earth, scouse working class family all living in one, you know, terraced house with granddad next door. I mean, you, you know, you don't see much of that anymore on television. No, you don't. And I think, we, we uh, isn't it funny, We they, they go on about having the regions involved, but we don't have anything very, re all right, you have Hollyoaks set uh, in and around Liverpool, but you don't have, it's it's sort of, it's very unrepresented, isn't it? And this does happen with regions. I mean, you see, you don't see very, I suppose you do see a little bit of Geordie stuff, don't you? Mm, mm. But as I say, you know, I think I said earlier about Granada, you know, when, you know, you actually did have a, a Northern-based um, production centre and now of course you know you're, the BBC will argue well we've got Salford and Channel 4 will say you know we're based in Leeds now but ultimately you still have commissioners who are based in the south and know southern people and southern values god don't I sound patronising but you know it, it's not a truly national media scape no, is it no, it's, it's not, what no, people no. say no, it, it, you know, it needs to be it needs to be more representative. There needs to be a bit of levelling up, Claire. 
bit of levelling up. Maybe a few Australians, David, in the media. Yes, more Australians. <laughs> I mean, I think Australians need to own more media. If only there was someone like Rupert Murdoch who'd come along and buy everything again. Imagine. <laughs> I mean, are you going to be sad to see the back of Neighbours, David? I am a little bit. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say I religiously watched it, but I think it had a, a, a real charm as daytime TV, didn't it? And it was something very different. And also, I remember when I first came over to university here and everybody was watching it. And I thought, why, why are people watching this Australian soap? So I started watching it and I realised it was a bit of sunshine in people's life. And that sounds trite, but really, in the end, you know, something to watch um, while you're having your lunch at home. Is quite nice with the sunshine. And then, of course, it, it became a tea time favourite as well. But um, the characters were always optimistic. There was, it, wasn't, it wasn't that harrowing, really, Neighbours. I mean, the worst thing that could go wrong was that the hose came off the, um, the hose post or something, you know. I mean, nothing, nothing, or the, or the barbecue didn't lie. I, mean. <laughs> oh, uh, I think Daphne died, didn't she? You know, of Des and Daphne fame. Didn't she die or, or something I mean, there like that? There have been deaths, but I mean, you don't get, um, you know, weddings that absolutely turn into a blood wedding or something. I mean, I, I don't recall stuff like that happening. I just think yeah. it, it, it was a lot, it, it found a way to do nice stories, if you like. Yeah, and you know, bearing in mind, you know, it was a five-day-a-week soap. When we, you know, when sort of British soaps are all sort of, you know, train crashes and people screaming at each other, that made it quite nice. You know, they were nice families, weren't they? And of course, you had Bouncer's Dream. Yeah, what more incredible. In a soap. I mean, I do think that the way that it's been cast aside, no pun intended, by Channel Five, isn't brilliant, really. I mean. It, it it's it's not being recommissioned because they, for whatever reason, don't want to show it. But if Channel 5 had the budget, which I believe they do have the budget, I mean, they're owned by an American company now, they could they could keep it running. So I don't really get it. It's on a digital, it's on a digital channel in Australia, I think Channel 10 Digital. And mm. they don't have the budget to have it uh, made alone. So it's basically only there because of the international acquisitions, which is an odd sort of, set up but i do think channel five could have made more of an effort to find the money for it because i mean they'll know that the audience is maybe low i don't know this i haven't seen what the audience levels are but um, there isn't really an appointment to watch show on channel five is there really you know they don't have a serial drama um no they don't they they they, they rely on sort of returning things like when big brits go large which we've talked about I'm not. Yeah. I'm, not sure well, I'm not sure that's the compelling television that's going to get them and make them a lot of money. Well, they've but, recommissioned that series, Madame Blanc, haven't they, for a second series? So that's pretty long for a Channel Five drama. Yeah, it is. It is. So, uh, how many stars are you giving avoidance, or are you avoiding a, a, avoiding I'm, I'm stars? Giving it, again, I'm giving it three stars because I like Ramesh and, you know blah 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 but for a comedy it didn't make me laugh and you know enough enough of the bittersweet comedy i just want some laughs i want people with their heads stuck down the sink or something like that yeah definitely more 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 kit more in the kitchen sink comedy <laughs> um let's have a quick let's have a quick chat about um dan walker because it is channel five again um, turning up reading the news in, well, it is in London. I mean, he's left Salford where he was doing breakfast and turned up in London 
to do their news. And it seemed like the, the strangest thing to have a sort of died in the wool BBC guy just basically reading the news, as it turned out. It was on the day that all the stuff was happening with Boris Johnson um, and, and clattering on about having this WhatsApp phone in his pocket where messages were being sent in. I've never seen it. I've never seen a channel make anything out of WhatsApp. It would be a message sent in on WhatsApp. It was like the Internet had just been invented on Channel 5. Oh God! And again, it's just it's just that endless. Um, uh, hey, viewers, give us your say, and it's like this is a news program. I don't want to know what you know. Edith Blot from Reading thinks about uh, Boris Johnson. I absolutely don't. I want to he hear loves what they actually. <laughs> oh God, Dan! But you know the thing is, um, he's not the first person to come from BBC Breakfast because uh, Sean, look, not Lloyd. Yes, Sean. Um, yes, we don't. We're, we're so sorry, Sean. We can't remember your name, but you're very good. <laughs> but she's a doctor of psychology now, so that's why she left because she's absolutely brilliant. And the thing I loved about Sean was, you know, she she is a really warm presence. And I mean, you and I used to work in an office where Channel Five was based, didn't we? And every yeah. time I would see her, I would smile and just think, "Oh, I think she's great." And, yeah, I, and I suppose that's what breakfast TV personalities do bring to to news they bring a relatability well they're sort of a bit cozier aren't they i mean at breakfast time you, you know the house is in a bit of chaos and they seem a nice warm presence to have around while you're getting the day together you know in a way but this it was sort of strange comment when he was sort of introduced properly and he said oh it's not about the person that's sitting in this chair it's all about the team and i'm thinking well why why the hell have they employed you then <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If anybody can read the news, you know, they might as well have it done by an AI machine or something. What, what a parking Sean, thing to Sean say. Williams. Sean Williams. Sean Williams, yes. Oh, very yes, good. Sorry about that. But a completely but, parking yeah. thing to say. And I mean, and also, I thought he might have done the sort of thing that Tom Bradby did, you know, turned more conversation, which I don't happen to like anyway. But I thought, you know, there is, there, that you, you've just got to do the news, haven't you, really, as you're saying, and rather than fiddle around with an iPhone going, God, there's no WhatsApp messages. What's happening? Yeah, so someone sent me a hilarious meme of Paddington and the Queen. Hurrah, yes, that kind of thing. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's 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 Channel Five's way of you know, as we were saying earlier about them not having a sort of you know now a serial drama of having some personality for the channel. Because I mean, channel, you know, yeah, I, I particularly love Channel Five's documentaries, but there is there is no one person you think of when you think of Channel Five. All right, Jane McDonald, there you go. Jane McDonald, and maybe the shepherdess who's in uh, Yorkshire Farm, which has done. God, and that maybe has done 10 series. Um, and it was in well, the news because her, she, her, her marriage has broken up or something. Well, that, but that's that's great, isn't it, for the far channel? Because it, it leads you to a spin-off series, you know, where she goes off and becomes a fashion model or something. Gosh, I love that. What, what just sort of only wearing woolen clothes or something. Exactly. Knickers with a wooden woolen gusset. Hey, hang on. Hang on. Very good, Claire. Very good. Is that four mentions of gusset? I think I, I think I may have snapped the five in. We'll, we'll see. But I mean, well, I can I understand. Wonder. I can understand why Dan has moved from breakfast because, frankly, it must be a really, really hard yakka job, especially if you've got a family to get up so early. So you know, good for Dan. 
Yeah, good life balance. Good for him. I'll give it four stars because he brought a bit of um, what news glitter to an otherwise news program that I probably wouldn't watch. But um, yeah, exactly. He brings a bit of strictly stardust as well, doesn't he? So housewives favourite and all that. Um, just before we go, and we will have to bring this podcast to an end. What a shame. Um, <laughs> I have watched Man vs. B, which is the comedy comeback for Rowan Atkinson, which starts on Netflix. Let's get this absolutely right. On June the 24th, I think it goes up. And it is very funny. I mean, of course, Atkinson is somebody you look at on the screen and you start laughing anyway. He's got a bit of the Eric Morecambe about him, hasn't he, Claire? Oh, definitely. I mean, how Mr. Beanish is this new one? It's very Mr. Beanish. It's about Trevor, a house sitter who turns up at this smart house um, and can't work anything and is sort of left in control of a dog that is running rampant and sort of million pound artworks. I mean, it's another really relatable comedy, actually. <laughs> yes, I think in Andrew Billen's interview with him in This Week in the Times, I think Billen said, uh, oh, you know, uh, this house looks surprisingly like your house, uh, Rowan. And Rowan said nothing about that. So. Yes, well, so, I, think, yeah. I think I think Rowan Atkinson's house is worth 110 million, and it's in Oxfordshire. In case anyone wants to go and visit it, but oh, that's um, nice. I bet it's got a kitchen island or 17. Absolutely, this has got sort of you know huge, hugely high ceilings and remote control doors, windows, everything really. But it is it is quite Mr. Beanish, but I don't think that matters in a way because. The character's sort of bumbling along, and I mean, it's a bit like it's probably more Johnny English than Mr. Bean, I think. Um, but the other thing about it is the episodes are very short. I mean, the first episode was actually probably 18 minutes, and then I think subsequent ones are like 11 minutes. So it could, I mean, if they worked out his fee per minute, which they probably did, I think Atkinson will be probably buying another house worth 110 million soon. That's extraordinary. I mean, it. I, I, Oh, you know, and because it's very physical, I guess, you know, you've got the international market sewn up. Yeah. And he he says he said in an interview I read with him in Radio Times about Mr. Bean with that there was there was there has been rumours that they would do another Mr. Bean film. But he says he's completely exhausted by it. So this is why we I mean, at this rate, the Mr. Bean movie is going to be seven and a half minutes. <laughs> Yeah, but did you laugh, David? Is it funny? I did laugh. I did laugh quite a bit. I would say in that sort of whatever it was, 18 minutes, I probably a good half a dozen times. I mean, that probably doesn't, that's a hit rate of what, once every three minutes. I'm probably more than that, actually. Well, that's pretty um, good. Uh, pretty good, David. It's pretty good. So I think Netflix got a bit of a hit there, but um, they would. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd find it difficult for him not to do something and be funny in it, really, wouldn't it? I think so. Well, mind you, I was thinking about the thin blue line. Did I actually laugh at that? I can't remember. But, you know, it's, as I say, it's, it's interesting in interviews he's given how, how he says he he's not a funny... No, exactly. Exactly. Um, but that's, that's something for next week anyway. Well, it's something to look forward to. Indeed. Um, are you looking forward to anything next week, Claire? You'll be probably watching more Love Harland, won't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because there's nothing I like better than thick people in their 20s going, oh, she's fit. 
or really like her and then going on a date where they make lemonade maybe making lemonade is a euphemism for something i i really don't know but uh, I, I don't think there's anything oh yes apart from the uh, sherwood on monday with yeah absolutely lovely middle-aged ladies pin up david morrissey yeah well there we are gosh that's I, i'm sort of mildly excited as well that's completely wrong I know, but I mean, the thing is, you know, you've got a great cast. You've got um, Robert Glenister, Leslie Manville, David Morrissey, all, you know, solid, fine, fabulous actors. Um, I mean, so, it's got, got the potential to be drama of the year, but if it's not drama of the year, you'll hear it here, though. <laughs> here, 17th. Thank you, Claire. Um, until next week, then. Yes, until next week with more gussets. Riverside.